you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Eastman-Stewart. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited to have you here today because we're obviously going to touch about our favorite, well, at least my favorite topic in the world, which is around management. Mine too. Um, you, you love talking about systems and processes and stuff like that. So I'm sure we'll have a fun time. Yeah, exactly. Just before we get started, though, there's people around the world who don't yet know who you are. So let's change that for at least a few people. And uh, let's, let's hear where you ended up, how you ended up where you are today and yeah, what you're all about. Sure. So um, I'm Jessica Eastman-Stewart and I co-founded a nonprofit um, and then was one of those or- that organization's leaders for about 10 years. Um, I'm now running my own small business where I coach leaders in their work. And I also create content to help you know, anyone in the world manage their home and family life with more joy and ease. I am based in Oakland, California in the States, and I have two elementary school aged kiddos. Perfect. That sounds good. And um, how how long have you been addicted to management? (laughs) Uh, I first became a manager maybe in 2009, and it's basically been since then. I love being an intentional manager, talking about it with others, coaching others about it, writing blogs about it. It just, you know, it's what I do for fun on the weekends. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing life. Amazing life. <laughs> what, what do you call it? Anonymous management addicts or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, need, no. we, need a, we need a support group. We need a group. We need a group. <laughs> so management and systems is, yeah, th- those two often tied together pretty well, right? So I'm yeah. I'm a firm believer in not necessarily having multi, uh, not necessarily having hundreds of complicated processes, but really having right. a few processes that work extremely well for you to manage your team effectively. Uh, that's sort of that's my right. mindset, right? That you're much better having a few things that you do consistently that really makes a difference than trying to do a million things that doesn't happen on a regular basis. So. What is your framework? Tell us a little bit more about some of the, the key systems you have and you use. Yeah, I think systems can really help. I mean, management is much more than, you know, a checklist or, um, you know, some sort of just thing you can just follow and check off. Um, but systems can really support great management as well. So one of the ideas that um, has really helped my team over the years is an idea that we have called Polish Week. And it's essentially a week where we take time, we do it twice a year, um, and we pause what we're doing and polish up our systems. Um, So we often, in the U.S., we often try to do this during kind of slower times. And so for us, that's often um, kind of the last week, the last working week of the year in December. Um, And then the first week of July is often a holiday week around um, our community. And so we take some time and really just don't have meetings, pause most of our normal work. And we each kind of create um, a checklist of things that we need to do to get our 
um, systems and um, structures cleaned up so that you know, every day moving forward, we can see the benefits of that by having things that just work more efficiently for us. Um, so, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. So, so what, what's the big benefit of this? I mean, I, I get the logic behind it, but what, what do you feel is the big benefit in general by taking the time out? Because I think most managers and business owners and so on, uh, taking one or two weeks out here and there sounds like a lot. It sounds yeah, scary. It, it does. And I'll, and I'll be honest, it, it can feel hard to take time to pause what you're doing and clean up systems, um, you know, and it's still worth doing. Um, it pays dividends every single day moving forward when you take time to actually clean up some of the things that are slowing you down every day. So let me give some examples of some of the things that we do during Polish Week and that I do now in my business during Polish Week or Polish Days. Um, and so these are the times we clean up our email inbox. We actually take the time to unsubscribe from all the things we realize we don't want anymore. Um, we might update the computer software that keeps popping up saying it needs to be updated. And we just keep saying later, later, later. We actually take time to let it do its thing so that our computers are working effectively. Um, we might uh, go through and create browser bookmarks for all the websites and documents that we're in all the time so that we can quickly and easily get to them. And we're not like going into our Google Drive and searching for the same document every day when we could just have it right there in our browser bar. We um, might freshen up physical space, you know, clean off your desk, get, you know, things that you're not using all the time off and make that fresh. I mean, the mental benefit of having a clean space is huge, as many of us know from if you've gotten, you know, a nice, clean, fresh space. That might even mean cleaning up a work bag, you know, and taking out the business cards from that conference three years ago that you don't need anymore and finally recycling them. Um, it, you know, we might set in the re recurring reminders for things that we want to do. You know, like I need to send a check-in agenda to someone every Thursday. So we set up our system to make sure that's happening, or we want to remember um, to appreciate, you know, our colleagues every Friday. And so we, we put a time in our calendar. Those are some of the things we kind of can build in. You might even, um, you know, we've cleaned up data, you know, to make sure a database has up-to-date contact information for folks that we're engaging with. Um, you know, a small business owner might go back and make sure that you've sent all the invoices you need and, you know, received a follow-up on any that are outstanding, you know, um, and turning off notifications. We take the time to say like, I actually really don't need that pizza place to be sending me push notifications on my phone. So let me go ahead and uh, get rid of that and turn off all the notifications unless it's something that you really actually want to get notified about. So there's, there's many ideas and actually I can share, um, I have a, um, a list of a bunch of ideas that we do and other teams have done that I can share with, with your audience, but um, it. it looks different for everybody, but it, uh, it is incredibly valuable to actually take the time turn off all the meetings and normal work and spend, you know, whether it's a full week or whether it's, you know, just a day or even an afternoon can be really meaningful to really make sure that every day moving forward, things are just a little bit easier, a little bit quicker, a little less stressful. And, you know, you're not wasting brain energy on doing things that you want to put towards creative energy. And instead every day you're putting towards telling your computer that no, it cannot update its software yet again. <laughs> 
I, I'm impressed if you can get through your entire email inbox in just a week. That's that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know sometimes for people you need to just um, either declare email bankruptcy and just like assume that you can just just go and archive all of it and just assume that if it's important it'll come back to you. Um, or you could say, you know, one thing I've recommended for folks um, uh, is just pick a date. So, may, you know, it's, uh, you know, maybe a month ago and say, you know, everything from more than a month ago is unlikely to be something I am going to ever respond to or read. So let me go ahead and get that out of my inbox and just archive it. And then I have a more manageable set of things and I can go quickly and say, delete, unsubscribe, reply. Okay. Make a note to do that one. Um, but the reality is that, you know, if, if, if an email came in more than a month ago, you could probably just say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get all those out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And make a lot of sense. And uh, I mean, that's actually one thing that I'm pretty good at is unsubscribing because I, I'm not a huge fan of emails per se, but, uh, right. but clicking the unsubscribe button is actually something I'm relatively consistent at when I get emails I don't like. So Yeah, I feel like everybody has their things that they're really great about, you know, whether it's like this person keeps a really clean desk, but their email inbox is a mess, you know, or you're really good at unsubscribing. Um, I also am really good at unsubscribing because I just cannot deal with too many emails. Um, but I am, you know, plenty bad at other things. Like organizing my digital files is an example of something that I need to make space to actually say, okay. I, and, you know, sometimes I have to incentivize it. Like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it for 45 minutes. And at the end, I'm going to have my favorite lunch because I need something to look forward to. <laughs> yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. So for, for people that are leading teams, how do you recommend they implement this across the whole team? Like, if you lead a team of customer service people, for example, or how, how do you recommend doing this? Yeah, I so in leading a team, I think the first thing that a team leader can do is actually create the real space for this to happen. So really letting your team know, I really expect that A, B, and C things that we do are not going to happen during this period of time, whether it's a day or two or a full week, um, because we are going to clean up our systems and, you know, do this. So I think creating that space and actually making it, um, you know, uh, protecting it for your team, I think is really important. And then I think, you know, I think it can be fun. You can, you know, even gamify it a little bit. So my team, we would actually create a spreadsheet um, and down one side during, you know, in the first column, we would have all the things that we need to do, you know, so maybe each of us is going to, um, you know, uh, go through our calendar and get rid of any unnecessary recurring things that we're not doing anymore. We, we don't think are worthwhile anymore, you know, and maybe we're all each going to, you know, unsubscribe from unwanted emails. So those are the kind of rows, all the different tasks we want to do. And for my team, usually I'd make some of them required. Like, it's really important that we all do this. Like, we're all going to update this information for our contacts in our database, for example. That is a non-negotiable. Everybody needs to do that by the end of this time period. Um, but then there might be some fun ones like that are optional. And I would encourage my team, for example, to take time to update their resume. And remember, like, what have you accomplished that you're feeling proud of? Like, go get that added to your resume because, um, you know, that builds your professional capacity over time, or, you know, maybe it's optional for them to clean out, clean off their desk. That can be a thing they can do or not do. Um, 
And, uh, and then we would have our names across the top and we would be essentially tracking, you know, for each of us, how many tasks have we done? How many tasks do we still have remaining to do um, in the spreadsheet? And it would be counting as a team, you know, we need to do this many things and we have this many to go. And, you know, we had a little fun. People would be in, you know, Slack saying like, I noticed that I am ahead of you uh, and have done more of my tasks. Um, and I noticed that, you know, uh, I'm going to be done really soon. And it, it, so I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, it can hold it, but it's both accountability and also a little bit of fun and competition. Like we're all in this together and we're going to do some of these things because some of them are interesting or fun for some people. Like some people actually really love cleaning off their desk. That's like a fun thing for them to do. Other people, like the idea of updating a database is like nails on a chalkboard. And I understand, I feel that way too. So some of these things, the reason that, that we have to make space for them is because they're not that fun to do, but they're very valuable to make our teams more productive. So one of the ways you can do that is to just build the fun and gamification in so that the team can enjoy it and kind of be all in it together. I love that a lot. And yeah, particularly the aspect that some people enjoy some other tasks that others find uh, less fun is is definitely yeah. uh, that's definitely the case every time. Um, I'm, I'm luckily one of the people who live on a very clean desk. Um, but I think fundamentally, yeah, it just sounds like a great, great sort of project to engage in. And uh, I, I do remember about six months ago, I restarted my computer. And that took a very long time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, right. Yeah. I Polish Week is a good time to, to restart that computer if it hasn't been. And close up those tabs and just know that it'll be okay uh, for folks who, who don't close them up. Um, so, yeah. And it can even, I mean, you could even, if you have a remote team or, or an in-person team, you could even do some of it together. You know, having a... a afternoon work block where everybody's going to log on and say, okay, during this hour, I'm going to do, you know, X and somebody else is like, I'm going to do Y and somebody else does Z. And maybe there's just like a little music in the background and everybody's on zoom, but everybody's doing their own thing. That can be a fun thing to do virtually to kind of keep folks connected. Um, and, and a little bit of accountability, um, and, and celebration, you know, at the end of the hour, like, Hey, I got done with these two things that I was not excited about. And I'm really excited. Now I'm going to go for a walk. Um, so that can be fun too. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds cool. Love the concept. Any other amazing systems that, that you are a big fan of or find very useful as a manager? Yeah, I think, um, I think using different types of reminders can be really helpful for managers. Um, so I like to use the iPhone reminders app. Um, and I just, you know, hold down the button on my, on my phone and might say, you know, remind me every, you know, February 13th, that it is, you know, Jamal's year of service, you know, and then my phone will remind me every year on February 13th, that it's Jamal's year of service until I delete that reminder. And that might remind me like, oh, hey, look, Jamal started a year ago today. Let me sit, give an appreciation to him, celebrate that with the team, send a movie gift card to say, you know, it's been great to work with you this year. Um, or, you know, reminding yourself to do any sort of management thing that you want to get better at. Maybe you want to do a better job preparing before check-ins with your team and really preparing, okay, 
what is it that I want to dive into with this person and what, where do I want to probe on their, what they're working on? Um, you know, what questions do I need to ask? Because, you know, coming into those meetings prepared can get a much more juicy, meaty conversation going than setting up reminders or a calendar um, block, you know, before those check-ins to actually do that work can be really valuable. Um, you know, another fun system that I have is I keep a document with just notes about everybody on my team. And I will put things in there like what they drink at Starbucks and, um, you know, their middle name. And if they say, you know, because of a team, you know, a, a fun team question, like they, as a child, they loved Superman. I might write that down or their favorite cereal is cinnamon toast crunch. And, you know, then when, um, you know, uh, they, you know, I want to celebrate them because they just did something great. Like, why don't I send them an extra large box of cinnamon toast crunch and be like, Hey, great job on that. You know? Um, or, you know, Hey, I know that you're, um, you know, you used to have this nickname. So, you know, let me get a, a hat printed for you on your birthday with like that nickname on it. Cause I know you love hats and you used to have this nickname when you were living in Brazil, you know? Um, so there's also like having that place to put notes about folks helps me have a place to go look when there's something I want to do to support a team member or celebrate a team member. And I can remember all the things that I wanted to know about them. Um, so I think that's another great um, system to have as well. Yep. That's how fantastic. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of that and I haven't actually used it a lot. But one thing I know is I'm horrible at remembering dates and birth dates and stuff. And that makes a lot of sense for that reason. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. And um, particularly sort of the day of service, or the yearly day of service and so on makes sense. And you can actually, again, build a relatively easy system. Whenever you hire someone, you just put it in and that makes it a very simple recurring reminder. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. Not something I've done that much in the past. So I, I typically have a document like yourself. So I do a one-to-one with every person every week. And I basically keep a document where in the top, I keep all this personal information. So, you know, name of their pets and their kids and their partner. Right. And birth dates and stuff. Um, so I, I often keep all that in the top of the document. And I just always put push the notes down every week. But I always I have like the personal stuff on top. Because that, again, the same thing, right? Like... Um, it just helps you remember some of those key things that that's, that's important to those people. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And as your team, as your team grows, you know, as I've passed off direct reports to other managers or, you know, moved on to a different role um, and needed to pass off that it's, it's an incredible gift to be able to give to the next manager to say, by the way, here's, you know, five or seven things that I can share with you about this person. Um, and, you know, to help you get started as a manager for them, I think that's really helpful too. Um, so, yeah, yeah and I think setting up, you know, as somebody joins your team, having a the checklist of things to do to onboard them, you know, all the, all the logistical things, but also I try to remember, you know, get their birthday on my calendar, get their start date on my calendar as an annual recurring event. Those types of things allow me to make sure that these systems get built in um, for each person. Excellent. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, okay, let's change gears a little bit. So okay. I love talking about silly things we've done. So what's what's the what's the least good 
thing you have done as a manager or what's the biggest mistake you have done as a manager in your oh career so far? Gosh, that's like an interview question. Am I applying for a job? <laughs> nope. Well, I don't think so. Oh man. <laughs> the um that is a great question. Ooh, I, I honestly think that probably the thing I've most I've done the least well is just giving really quality, constructive feedback to my highest performers. Um, it is, some people are just incredible at giving great feedback. I've um, had, I'd had the benefit of working on teams with those folks before, and I'm not one of them. Giving great feedback is something, I'm really good at giving appreciation, but giving like really good constructive feedback is not a strength of mine. So it's something I have to put energy into in order to be good at. And I struggle the most when someone is just doing a great job, even though I, if I do put the time in, I can always think of ways that they can take their game to the next level. Um, but it's really, it's something I struggle with. I feel like I've had people tell me like, I don't think you've given me any constructive feedback in like six months. And I'm like, Oh, that's my job. I'm really sorry. I haven't done that. Uh, you're doing a great job though. <laughs> which is really not what they're looking for. So I, I, that's something I'm not great at. Yeah. One thing, uh, I mean, I always try and mix it up. So I think that the biggest issue most people have is they give most feedback that's constructive and not very much on positive side. Right. So my, my, my philosophy is very clear. I always make sure I give most positive feedback because if most of what people do for you isn't positive, they shouldn't be working with you. And the right. problem is if they hear from you five times a month and every five times it's something they're doing wrong, uh, that's not a great scenario, right? However, right. however, that's a very simple way to, to give feedback that I love using a lot. Um, and it's basically just looking, like the, the key thing about feedback to make it, very constructive and very useful is to make it very, very specific, very behavior driven, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if I see you in a meeting, keep interrupting someone, and I say, hey, Jessica, can I give you some feedback? When you keep interrupting Peter, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it sounds to everyone else like you don't really want to hear what he has to say, right? So the whole thing about feedback is it can be super, super quick and usually 10, 15 seconds. Um, but the key thing is actually um, noticing specific behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. And I always, like pretty much every time I finish a team meeting or something like that, I always have things, like I write down like maybe three or four or five notes and I'll go back to people right after the team meeting and say, hey, when you do this thing, you know, keep doing that because that was great. Or when you, when you do this thing, you know, here's how people might see you. And I'm just, again, I'm sharing my observations. It's not necessarily... Maybe I'm totally wrong occasionally, uh, but it's mm -hmm. just a quick piece of feedback. And the whole point is I'm not looking to argue or discuss if it's right or wrong. I'm just simply giving them a, a an observation, what I feel it looks like, and making them aware. And it's important both when you give positive feedback and negative feedback to make it very behavioral specific. Because here's the thing. Most people that are really good don't necessarily know why. And the thing is, when you just tell them in the end of the day and just say, hey, good job today, they're like, okay, right. great, but what was good, right? Right. So right. actually, 
learning to just look at the behavior specifically and point out the specific behavior. And, you know, sometimes it can be simple things like, you know, when you're consistently using a person's name, it makes them feel great. Or mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're consistently asking people, how are they doing before you jump into work stuff that makes them feel like you actually care about them. Or it, it can be many, many smaller things, but it's just about noticing those specific behaviors and every time you you cringe a little bit and you're like oh i wish he or she didn't say that or i wish they didn't mm. say it that way that is always a perfect opportunity to give some feedback yeah i love the idea of making being in group spaces and team meetings and just taking notes on like the great moments and i that would be that would really help me i'd love that idea and you made me think of another um a tip that i've gotten which is also a mistake i've made but I love this, um, which is, you know, I've, uh, somebody once told me, you know, if, if, if you could wave a magic wand and employee X would walk into your office tomorrow and say, hey, I've got my dream job and I'm leaving in two weeks and you would actually be happy about that, then you need to actually do the hard work of letting them go. Like if you kind of wish somebody was going to their dream job and leaving your organization, then you probably need to be letting them go and finding somebody that's actually a better fit um, that you really need to only have people on your team for whom if they walked in, you would be devastated to hear that news. Um, So it's been a good mental check for me before when I'm having folks that are on my team that are not doing as well as I hope um, to ask the question, like if I, if they could go get their dream job, would I want them to, or would I want them to stay on my team? And if the answer is, I'd rather them go somewhere else. Then usually that means I need to do some hard work to let them know that they're not doing a good enough job and maybe we need to make a different approach. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I would say one of the things that took me a little while to embrace as a manager is when you have some of your best people leave. Um, having someone tell you, hey, you know, I'm resigning and leaving in four weeks and uh, actually sitting across from a superstar employee and inside your world is kind of breaking and exploding. But <laughs> on the right. outside, again, you want to appreciate them for all their hard work and you want to be happy on their behalf. So I mm-hmm. would say learning to do that definitely also taken me a little while, but I feel I've yeah. gotten fairly good at it, right? Um, where, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great situation, but... Um, I, I feel that if people have done a great job for you and they've been a critical part of your business, you you really owe it to them to be happy for the success and really owe it to them to be happy for the, what they have contributed, not for the fact that people always feel like, oh, he or she's leaving me. But right. it's, it's not they're leaving you. They just have a bigger, better opportunity. And if you had been in their shoes, you'd probably done the same type of thing. Um, right. but, but it's learning not to take that personal and, and really trying to be happy on their behalf, right? Because fundamentally, when people, when great people are leaving you for even better opportunities, that's usually a sign that you're actually a great manager and you're developing and growing your staff and you're, you're doing things right. So learning to take it as a compliment, though, can definitely take a little bit of work, but yeah. Right, right. And then as we were to connect it back to making the systems, what systems can you put in place to stay in touch with those folks if they were what a superstar on your team so that, you know, maybe in the future they can help 
you recruit for that next role that you're going to be hiring for because they can tell people with authority, it's really great to work with Jessica. You should go try to be on her team, you know, um, if they really enjoyed their work with you, or maybe you can get them to come back as an alum, you know, uh, when you've got a role that is good for wherever they are in that, in their career. Um, so yeah, uh, I totally agree. It's hard to be happy for folks in those moments, but it's critical. And if you can build your reputation as, you know, a, a manager to work for, um, you know, it can be a really great thing for your own personal career and personal brand to be able to say, you know, um, you know, the folks that have joined my team, this is some of the things they're doing now in their career, because it's a way to convince new talented folks to want to come work with you because they see that you are the kind of leader that helps develop people and set them on a career path that they want to be on. It's also just in like, it's also the signal you send to the rest of the team, right? It's, it's, right. it's the, I mean, I've been there myself. I've seen it so many times where managers like, oh yeah, this person's an asshole. They're leaving us in the middle of a big important project or, you know, that that kind of thing. And that makes everyone like else be like, oh, well, if I'm ever leaving, I will definitely give you the minimum notice. I will definitely, yes. you know, it makes other people afraid of sharing great news. Um, and that's right. not really what you're looking for as a manager. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, as a manager, we want to create that safe space so that if folks are starting to look, they feel comfortable letting us know um, because then we can plan so much better because, you know, it would be so much better to have, you know, three or six months of notice that somebody's starting to think about, you know, moving on for whatever reason. Maybe they are moving geographically for something going on in their family. There's plenty of reasons why people leave, but having that notice is an incredible gift that people can give, but they don't owe it to us. So we have to earn it by showing them how we handle that kind of that the news that someone's transitioning. So yeah. And more importantly, how how good relationships we have with them. Right. So right. it's actually when I work corporately, it was one of my core metrics for my managers is basically if you don't know until the last possible day of resignation that someone is leaving, you probably haven't got a strong enough relationship with them. Uh, right. Now obviously there can be exceptions, but you know, in most cases, if you have a good relationship with your staff, everything else being equal, they will start telling you when either when they're thinking about leaving or when they're quite sure they will be leaving, but just haven't picked the date yet. Um, and right. as you say, you want to know because the problem is, I mean, some some companies it's less than four weeks, but even if you have four weeks or a month to actually plan for a new employee, like recruiting a new person, getting them in, getting them trained, uh, in most cases takes significantly longer than a month, right? Yes, much longer. <laughs> and it always takes much longer than we even think, even when we plan it out and say, yeah. oh, we won't have anybody new for two months, like probably four. It just takes so much time because not only do you have a vacancy and somebody's got to take, you know, cover that slack, you now have a new project, which is hiring another person. So it's a double whammy when someone transitions. So yeah, the longer you've got, the better you can plan because in the best case scenario, that superstar gets to train their replacement. And that doesn't happen if they're letting you know at the last minute. So I totally agree. Definitely. Jessica, that's been a super fun conversation. If If people are eager to get hold of you and talk to you and connect with you, what's the best ways of doing so? Okay. So first is if anybody's interested in the polish week idea, 
I made a like free personalizable checklist. It's a Google doc that you can just make a copy of um, to get started. That is at bit.ly slash polish week. So if anybody wants that free resource um, out there in the world to go grab. Um, and then to connect with me, I'm most active with my tips for, you know, uh, leadership management, life management at Instagram. You can find me there at joyfully managed family. Uh, I also have a weekly email with five quick tips for anyone managing life. Um, and they can, and anybody can sign up for those at www.jessicaeastmanstewart.com. Um, and I'd love to connect with anybody. And, and, you know, if anybody wants to just chat about management, you know, late into the evening uh, over drinks. I am always game for that. <laughs> awesome, Jessica. Well, thank you very, very much for joining me. That was, a, that was a super fun conversation. Likewise, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you. And to the audience, thank you very much for sticking with us all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.